Welcome to the message podcast for Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can also search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and TuneIn. Make sure you join us each Sunday at 9 a.m. on Facebook Live. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road and a new campus in East Rockingham at 414 Southeast Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, at our Harrisonburg campus, we have a Spanish campus that meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. Check out our website, cotnaz.org, for more information. Hey, church family. I am so sad to not be with you today, uh, but I'm enjoying some time away, uh, vacationing with my family. So I love you, and I'm praying for you, and I promise that uh, you're in for a real treat today because while I couldn't be with you in person, I asked uh, my pastor to come and be with you today, a man that doesn't need a lot of introduction for many of you, uh, but his name is Pastor Kerry Willis, and he was my pastor, and, and some of you, your pastor too, for 24 years. Uh, he helped pastor this church and lead us, and just a few years ago transitioned to his new place of ministry in the Philadelphia area, and so he has graciously come. So I promise, I, I didn't leave because he's here, I promise. Uh, I'm, I'm super bummed to not be there in person, but he's coming now to uh, share the word with you. So would you join me, would you join me? Uh, let's welcome Pastor Kerry this morning. Pastor Adrian to do the eulogy at my funeral. <laughs> uh, wow, thank you, Pastor Adrian, for the invite. And uh, he gave me a few weeks to choose from, and the only one I could come was the week he had vacation. So I said, enjoy yourself. I've done church before. We'll be fine. <laughs> so I hope he's exhaling somewhere on a beautiful beach somewhere. Vacation anywhere else is a waste of time. <laughs> That's just my opinion. Well, unless you're in the Holy Land, they have beaches as well. Well, if you have your copy of the Holy Scripture today, I'll ask you to turn to Mark, Gospel of Mark. So you may have uh, the actual Bible. You may have your phone. You can unroll your papyrus scroll, uh, whatever you like to read out of. And we're going to get there in just a moment. We're going to go to chapter 2. Oh, let me exhale now. Wow. It is good to be here. Kim and I are humbled um, by the love of this congregation. And those of you who uh, have come since we left about three years and some months ago, I hope we get to know you also eventually. Uh, but we're glad that you're here in the church as well. I was able to record for East Rock campus earlier in the week. That was exciting. And so God is at work, and uh, we believe that he does all things well. So keep leaning in, especially during these days. Uh, Mark's gospel. Uh, why Mark's gospel? Well, the Lord's had me locked down in the gospel of Mark since uh, COVID began, like March of 2020. 
But about a month ago, I, I sensed the Lord saying to me, just speaking, he said, my sheep know my voice. And I sensed that he was inviting me to push aside all of my books, all the books that I have. At that time, I think I was probably reading about five books. I probably had about five books underway. And uh, I just sensed him inviting me, why don't you just for a season, why don't you push all your books away and just take the book? (laughs) And so I did. I was a little overwhelmed by that invitation, to be honest. Uh, But the next morning when I began the idea of all my books pushed aside until he gives me permission to go back, I just sensed a freedom, and I'm very grateful for it. I mean, when I get up in the morning, there's no doubt where I'm headed. (laughs) I'm headed right here. And then I kind of open the Bible, and I'm like, well, Lord, where? I mean, where where should I begin? And uh, it's like he just sort of smiled at me. I was in Mark, and it's like, why don't you just continue? where you've been, you know, just sort of dipping. And so I did. And I got to the end of Mark, and I thought, wow, that's great. I really am glad I could read the gospel. And then I'm like, where now, Lord? He's like, first chapter again. So I'm just like on a loop (laughs) in Gospel of Mark. Now, the Gospel of Mark is called by some the forgotten gospel. Most messages, if you pay attention, come from Matthew, Luke, and John. And Mark is, uh, you know, it's kind of the shorter gospel, also the one that was written first. Why did Mark write the gospel? Well, we believe that he wrote the gospel to say to us, Jesus is the wonder-working Savior, the miracle-working God. If you look at Mark's gospel, you'll find that he records 19 miracles and only like three parables. And so he's just trying to show us Jesus in action. And don't we need a Jesus in action (laughs) in our lives. And so I've been enjoying this action-packed gospel. Gospel, if you're not aware, is just a fancy word for good news. Good news. And so Mark wrote his gospel first, probably in 60 AD. It's believed that he and the apostle Peter kind of worked together on the gospel of Mark. And he records a lot of Peter's life. And so it's like got synergy going on. It's like two authors, but God ordained Mark to pen the words, and the gospel bears his name. And so I just want to give you a little bit about Mark's gospel. It's a portrait. It really is a portrait of Jesus in action on our behalf. So I want to read through the scripture just quickly. Uh, If you'll join me at Mark 2, I'm going to read the first 12 verses. And today I'm reading from the New Living Translation, kind of an older edition of the New Living Translation because I'm older, but uh, I think it will minister to your heart. It's a familiar story, and we'll delve into it a little bit after we hear it aloud. Mark 2, verse 1. Several days later, Jesus returned to Capernaum, and the news of his arrival spread quickly through the town. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there wasn't room for one more person, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't get to Jesus through the crowd, so they dug through the clay roof above his head. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith... Jesus said to the paralyzed man, 
My son, your sins are forgiven. Well, some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there said to themselves, What? This is blasphemy. Who but God can forgive sins? Now, Jesus knew what they were discussing among themselves, so he said to them, Why do you think this is blasphemy? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven? Or get up, pick up your mat, and walk. I will prove that I, the Son of Man, have the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, take your mat, and go on home, because you are healed. The man jumped up, took the mat, and pushed his way through the stunned onlookers. Then they all praised God. We've never seen anything like this before, they exclaimed. Let's pray for a moment. Lord Jesus, uh, this is a beautiful story. It's a true story in the day of the life of Jesus of Nazareth. But Lord, today we need more than history. We're going to dive into some more history that surrounds this passage. But today we, we want to experience what Mark is trying to exclaim, that you are still the wonder-working Savior, the miracle-working God, the one who is active in our lives. Make yourself real to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So what's going on here in Mark's gospel, chapter 2? Verse 1 says, several days later, Jesus returned to Capernaum. Now you may know that after Jesus was baptized, he was tempted by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights. And then he made his way up to his hometown of Nazareth. Uh, he went to church there on the Sabbath day, read from the scroll. And the people got pretty furious with him. Uh, they even tried to stone him because he kind of claimed to be a Messiah. And he was a hometown boy. And they were just not really having it. So they really kind of pushed him uh, to the cliff of the town. Uh, you can go there today and visit the Mount of the Precipice. Uh, the place where they believed that Jesus was driven by his own people for his destruction. Uh, but the story says that Jesus just walked right through them. <laughs> he just walked right through them. And where did he go? He, he made his way east and he went to the Galilee because there, there wasn't much faith in Nazareth. He did a few small miracles there, but he really couldn't even make his ministry work. You know, because the ministry of Jesus was a partnership with faith. And there wasn't enough faith in Nazareth for him to really do what he came to do. So he made his way east. There's a little town there on the Sea of Galilee called Capernaum. And I know the sign that they have when you enter this village just ticks off the Nazarenes, you know, the people in Nazareth. Because the sign says, at Capernaum, of all places, welcome to the hometown of Jesus. <laughs> well, it kind of was his secondary hometown. And it says that several days later, Jesus returned to Capernaum. Now, if you go to chapter 1 of Mark, <laughs> you will find that uh, Jesus set Capernaum ablaze. I mean, they really have had some revival days with Jesus in Capernaum. And right after all of this wonderful ministry happened in Capernaum when he was setting up ministry, uh, Jesus went out to pray one morning. The disciples couldn't find him. And it had been a really big day before actually a Sabbath day, 
before where Jesus had just worked to, like crazy. They came at sunset to Jesus and he healed and he cast out demons and I mean it was it was a real church service and the next morning they can't find Jesus he's out praying in a secret place disciples go out to Jesus and they say Jesus everyone's looking for you come on we got more patients you know in town that that want to see you you know they were excited uh, they were getting ready to be staff at a mega church you know they could just feel it but Jesus said no I must go to other towns and preach the good news and minister there. That is why I have come. And so I guess that they left Capernaum uh, with a banner, you know, just waving in the wind, have good news, must travel. <laughs> That's kind of my joy description these days. So I sort of understand it. And they went to other towns, and then all of a sudden, like in the night, they arrived back at their hometown the new hometown of Jesus, and word got out because good news travels fast, right? And so it says several days later, Jesus returned to Capernaum. And the news of his arrival spread quickly through the town. And so he's been preaching. He's coming back to get a little rest, <laughs> maybe to exhale, hoping that his popularity has waned just a little uh, since he's been gone, but that's not the case. Hope himself has once again come home, and the people are thrilled to know it. Uh, we go to verse 2. It says, Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there wasn't room for one more person, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Now, can't you hear the chatter? I mean, on the sidewalks of Capernaum, he's back. <laughs> I mean, it was so much excitement. So many came so quickly. I mean, that's one thing about Mark's gospel. It's called the expedient gospel. Uh, the number one word used throughout Mark's gospel, it deals with the word immediate or forthwith, if you like the old English. Uh, everything is so quick. It's, it's just moving so fast. And it says here that uh, so many came so quickly that soon the house where Jesus was staying became a packed house church. <laughs> It wasn't the synagogue. It was, it was wherever Jesus was staying. Maybe it was Peter's house. Maybe it was some other humble dwelling. But visitors came to where Jesus was lodging. And uh, they just showed up. And they stood at the doorway. And the place was so full that someone on the sidewalk, I guess, was telling the late arrivals, uh, you know, no vacancy, standing room only. And this is what happened in the morning when Jesus awoke after his ministry tour. It's a blessed sight to see people descending like a sudden rainstorm where Jesus was staying. This humble dwelling. Can you imagine? I mean, even eyeballs had to be at every window just staring in to see what would he say next, what would he do next. Jesus in your hometown. Verse 3, four men also arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. Now, in my mind's eye, there's one man in Capernaum that has not yet seen Jesus, and this is him. Because everything that happens in chapter 1, I mean, if you lived in Capernaum, you have been to see Jesus. But there was one man that couldn't get himself to where Jesus was. And so you see these four friends arriving late with like a, I, I see a military stretcher, you know, one on each arm, four of them carrying this friend of theirs. 
this disabled friend. And they wanted to place him at the feet of the friend. So you have four friends carrying a friend to the feet of the friend. And what a friend we have in Jesus. Uh, that could be where that whole idea came from. Uh, they believed, these four believed, that their friend's misery made him a candidate for the master's mercy. <laughs> I preached a message years ago uh, when I pastored a church in Harrisonburg, Virginia. Uh, oh, that's here. Uh, I preached a message, and uh, it was titled Miracle Territory. <laughs> and, and the theme of the message was this. If you have a problem, that makes you a candidate for a miracle. And I remember at the end, I said, some of you look disappointed. If you don't have a problem, come forth, and I will pray that God will give you a problem so you will be a candidate for a miracle. You know, sometimes when we have a problem, we don't think of it that way, but these four friends must have believed that their friend's misery certainly made him a candidate uh, for the friend's mercy. And their compassion is what carried the paralyzed man to have an audience with the Son of Man. I guess they said, we can't see Jesus one more time, we can't hear Him one more time, unless our friend is also in that meeting. And there's compassion. I mean, that's big compassion. Verse 4, they couldn't get to Jesus. You know, once they got there, they couldn't get to Jesus through the crowd. And so they dug through the clay roof, I mean, right above His head, verse 4 says, and then they lowered the sick man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. So when they heard this no vacancy standing room only kind of idea, it did not deter them because desperate needs calls for desperate measures, right? So they raised the mat, but that's not all. They raised the roof. <laughs> they, they did both. Uh, they came. They knew this was their moment. This was their moment of faith. They knew also that if they could carry their friend, their paralyzed friend, to Christ just once, they wouldn't ever have to carry him again. I believe they knew Jesus well enough from chapter 1. They knew what he would do if they could just get their paralyzed friend to where he was. And so they raised the mat, they raised the roof. Uh, Mark Lotz hangs around here. He loves to say something like this, boom, in the room. That's what's going on right here. They have him present at the feet of Jesus. Uh, verse 5, uh, seeing their faith, this verse is moving. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my son. You know, faith makes us family. Faith is what makes us part of the family of God. And their faith, I can't explain it theologically, it's just beautiful. Their faith made their paralyzed friend family to Jesus. He looks at this man, this paralyzed man, and he says, My son, you remember this, there's an echo of this also in Capernaum, when the woman had had the issue of bleeding for 12 years. And she finally risked everything to get to where Jesus was. Jesus didn't go to where she was. She got to where Jesus was. And in that rock concert type parade that was coming through town, she made her way to the fringe of his garment. And she touched his garment and she was immediately healed. And Jesus turned and he said, who touched me? But that's not all he said. He said, daughter. He called her daughter because faith is what makes us 
family with God. Faith. How's your faith? How's your faith? See, in their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My son, your sins are forgiven. And uh, as Jesus was preaching, think about it, he's sitting there preaching, teaching, sharing, and all of a sudden particles start falling all around him. I mean, you must see the sunlight coming through the wind and all the dust just falling. And everybody's like, what? And Jesus, he knows what's going on up there. You know he knows. And uh, so he was interrupted by faith. And I want to tell you that Jesus is okay being interrupted by faith. He's okay with that. Some people don't pray because they don't want to bother God. Come on. He lives to be bothered. <laughs> uh, he wants us to be family. Uh, when we call out to him in fervent faith, uh, that's kind of why he exists, you know. And uh, mark it down, their faith pleased Jesus. <laughs> well, how do you know that, Pastor? Well, Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So the reverse is also true. Their faith pleased the Son of God. I wish I could just see his face as the dust particles are falling and all of a sudden there's a hole in the roof and he looks up and he sees uh, eight eyeballs <laughs> staring at it like children. You know, They are so excited about what they know is about to happen and then all of a sudden here he comes. They drop their friend. The only place that he can find what he needs. Their faith pleased Jesus so much so that he spiritually and physically restored their friend. So the friends are full of faith. Uh, the one friend is broken. The heart of Jesus is moved immediately. Mark would want to make sure I said that, that the heart of Jesus was moved immediately. Never underestimate the power of strong faith. It moves the heart of Jesus every time, immediately. It moves his heart. Verse 6, but some of the teachers, now the, the temperature's getting ready to change in the room a little bit. You know, uh, the religious leaders are there. They're part of the reason that they couldn't get through the door <laughs> because the religious leaders have packed out just out of curiosity and they have some other motives going on. But it says in verse 6, but some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there said to themselves, What? This is blasphemy. Who but God can forgive sins? Well, leave it to religious people to prefer the law over the love of God. Not a lot's changed. That's still happening in our day. Uh, remember, uh, they were once more concerned about the law than the love of Jesus. And he got in trouble in the Capernaum synagogue uh, another time. When he came on the Sabbath, Jesus had the audacity to heal a man with a withered hand on the Sabbath day. And instead of focusing on the love of Jesus and the mercy he had extended this man with a crippled arm, they just attacked Jesus for not caring about the law of the Sabbath. And Jesus would tell them that he was Lord of the Sabbath and the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. You know that story. Well, this is the same spirit that's going on here. But not just that, they were livid at what he said. <laughs> because Jesus said in verse 5, My son, your sins are forgiven. And that's what they're really upset about. Does Jesus think he's God? 
No. Jesus doesn't think he's God. Jesus knows he's God. Come on, get a grip, guys. I mean, what is Jesus doing for giving sins? Well, he is the Son of God, and this is why he came. Read Isaiah chapter 53. This is a portrait of Jesus. This is a prophecy of Jesus. He came. John the Baptist called him the Lamb of God, who does what? Who takes away the sin of the world. And he's doing what he came to do. Verse 8, Jesus knew what they were discussing among themselves, so he said to them, Why do you think this is blasphemy? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven, or get up, pick up your mat, and walk? Now, what Jesus did on this day at the house church gathering was not blasphemy. It was just beautiful proof of who he was. He was living out his doctrine as well. You know, it's believed by most scholars that the doctrine of the Gospel of Mark, the doctrine of Jesus, is in the middle of Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 45. This is kind of the verse that flashes with neon in Mark's Gospel. So Mark 10, verse 45, this is the doctrine of Mark's Gospel. It's the doctrine of Jesus. Jesus speaking, Mark 10, 45, For even I, the Son of Man, came here, not to be served, but to serve others and to give my life as a ransom for many. Well, why would he give his life as a ransom for many? Because he is the Savior and he saves from sin. And so on this day, he carried out his doctrine. He served as Savior and he also served as restorer to this crippled man. This is why Jesus came. And so Christ served. He served the spiritually and the physically broken. And on this day, it would be this man. He gave him an eternal cure for his soul. And he gave him a lifetime cure for his body. He didn't just send him home well. He sent him home whole. Whole. This man came completely broken and went home completely whole. Now, don't miss this piece. <laughs> Uh, Jesus begins uh, this moment by restoring the paralyzed man, but he begins by announcing your sins are forgiven. And then to prove that he has a right to forgive sins, <laughs> he also commands the man to get up and walk in full view of everyone present. And verse 10 says, I will prove, I will prove that I, the Son of Man, have the authority on earth, I have permission on earth to forgive sins. And then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and says, Stand up, take your mat, go home, because you're healed. Why did Jesus focus first on the man's sins? Well, Jesus knows. I mean, you can trust him first of all, but, but why did he begin with the forgiveness of sins rather than the healing of the physical body? Well, Jesus knows that pardon of sins strikes at the very heart of all our diseases. You did know that, right? I mean, I hear people say things like, I can't believe God made me sick. What? What? Do you, you think sickness was God's plan? No. Sickness came into the world. Brokenness came into the world when Adam and Eve made a covenant with the devil in the garden. 
Come on, people. Let's get, let's get beyond that. Uh, he strikes at the pardon of sins because he knows that this is the crux. This is, uh, this is right at the heart of all our diseases, sin. You've heard of being sin sick. Yes. And, and when Jesus looked at this man, he saw a sin sick man. Everything else in his life that was going on was a result of the fall in the garden. And he looked at him first and said, your sins are forgiven because he wanted to start with the most essential need. Remember Jesus in the house of Zacchaeus. He said, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save those who were lost. And Jesus didn't just see this man as a paralyzed physical man. He saw him as a paralyzed spiritual man. And that's the eyes of the Savior because the prophet said, by his stripes we are healed. And it begins with a spiritual healing because that affects every other illness, every other disease that we have. And we finally come to verse 12. The man jumped up, took the mat, and pushed his way through the stunned onlookers. And not only was the man's body immediately and completely restored, so was his strength. I mean, you ever think about that? Uh, that's why I love the New Living Translation. It strikes closest, I think, to the original Greek. Uh, basically, what it says, he jumped up. <laughs> you know, hey, look, I'm north of 60 now. I don't do a lot of jumping up. I can hurt myself. <laughs> if you don't know, just keep laughing. You'll be there. Uh, but not this guy. I mean, he came in, a shriveled up man. I mean, a man of palsy is the way it is described. Totally broken, totally weak, but after Jesus spoke, he jumped up. Second of all, he took up the mat. <laughs> Jumping up and taking up the mat <laughs> proved that his strength was restored. He was not just healed, he didn't just look better, he was better. He jumped up, he took up the mat, and then I love this part, he pushed his way. <laughs> This man hadn't done a lot of pushing in a long time, maybe in his whole life, I don't know. But he pushed his way through the stunned onlookers. And then verse 12 continues, Then they all praise God. We've never seen anything like this before. They exclaimed. And as the old boy headed home with a new body and a new heart, he was going to surprise his family. I believe, though, I've thought about this all week. I believe those four guys were already down off the roof, don't you? <laughs> I think when he came through that front door, a lot of high-fiving going on. Uh, have you ever imagined the people who saw the four friends bringing the friend on the stretcher? And they're like, what are they doing? You know, where are they going? And somebody probably said, probably going to see Jesus, you know. And uh, now, what is it? Maybe an hour later, we don't know. And here come the same five men, but they're all jumping and shouting and praising. They're like five children. And on Christmas morning, they are running back to surprise his family. Whew. Well, Jesus surprised everybody in the room, but can you imagine this man's family when he showed back up? I can tell you that Jesus was glorified, magnified, satisfied uh, because of what had happened in the man's life. But even more than that, Jesus said, I came to do my Father's will. Do you know that every time, I believe every time, Jesus performed a miracle in his lifetime, it pointed to the Father. 
It pointed to the Father. And the reason I believe Jesus was glorified, magnified, and satisfied is because of these words. It says, all praised God. <laughs> because the miracle pointed to the Father. For God so loved the world, Father God so loved the world, that He gave His one and only Son, this is Him, <laughs> that whoever believes, whoever has faith in Him, whoever will become a part of the family of God, will not perish, but have everlasting life. For Father God, He says this in verse 17, For I did not send My Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. And on this day, that's what the Son performed. And everyone praised God. And Jesus pointing to the love of the Father. I don't know about you, but this Jesus story makes me want to be present and get others present at Jesus' gatherings. <laughs> this was a Jesus gathering. You know what I mean? Our gatherings kind of been on the back burner here if you haven't been paying attention in the last year and a half or so. It's looking better in the room, eh? But we don't know what the future holds, right? We really don't. But we have this moment to hold in our hands and to touch as it slips through our fingers like sand. Yesterday's gone and tomorrow may never come, but we have this moment today. Listen, friends, take advantage of Jesus' gatherings while you can. And don't just come yourself. Get your friends in on the Jesus' gatherings that you're part of. Look what could happen in their lives if they're just simply and profoundly part of a Jesus gathering. <laughs> do, do you know what this story really is in two words? Friendship evangelism. <laughs> That's what it is. These friends had seen Jesus. They had seen what he could do. Uh, he said, when two or three of you gather together, I am there in the midst. So when we gather, it's not just us gathering. It's a Jesus gathering. It's a gathering around Jesus. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do you think He can do any less in our Jesus gatherings today in Harrisonburg than He did in Capernaum? He's the same. He's still forgiving sins and restoring lives. It's what He does. It's His doctrine. Don't you love when the congregation says, we've never seen anything like this before. Oh, I love that. How blessed they were to witness up close and personal the wonders of the one called Wonderful who came to save souls now and later. We're later. Uh, he's still doing it. This story reminds me uh, uh, that the four friends, now they didn't have the New Testament in their days, but do you know the New Testament has 59 one another's in it? 59 one another's. Jesus believing religion is called Christianity, okay? And in Christianity, it's not about just me and Jesus. It's about me, others, and Jesus. It's a one another call. And these four friends, they understood that Jesus was not just for them. And they put those one another's to practice. Yeah, it's friendship evangelism. I don't think that they were even thinking about their friend's sins when they brought him. They were just thinking about his sickness. And so they got the double blessing, man. I mean, on the way home, they're high-fiving. They're saying, brother, we didn't know he was going to pull you in the family. We thought he was just going to heal you. Oh, it's a wonderful thing. I mean, I'm trying, I know I'm beside myself. It excites me. 
uh, it reminds me that I should take the one another's serious and involve others in Jesus' gatherings. See that they're invited. See that maybe they are brought to the gathering. I don't know. You work that out in your life. The physical paralyzed man in Mark 2 was spiritually lost, and Jesus knew it if no one else did. And because he had these friends that brought him to Jesus, he left there found. He came in lost, and he left found. I think the two words that kept ringing in the paralyzed man's head that night when he tried to sleep <laughs> were these two words, my son. <laughs> oh, my son. Oh, my son. Be faithful. Be faithful in your Jesus gatherings. I know I've said it, but I feel like a voice crying in the wilderness, you know. Uh, some people uh, have decided they're not going to come back to Jesus gatherings. They've just decided. I'm all excited about YouTube and Facebook and the opportunity to reach the world with the gospel, but uh, not at the expense of the gatherings. I'm telling you, friends, something happens when the people of God come together. Please don't give up on your Jesus gatherings. Please don't. Tony Evans, that great preacher from Texas, I saw something that, that he had written this week. I, I want to share it. Maybe it will make my point. Uh, Tony Evans said, I hear people say I don't have to go to church to be a Christian, and they're absolutely right. Salvation is through faith alone in Christ Jesus. But you also don't have to go home to be married, but stay away long enough, and your relationship will be affected. <laughs> that spoke pretty deeply to me. Now, I know I'm a little bit over, so I'll let the band come so you all will feel like we're about to close. And I, I want to close with a real story. Uh, back uh, when I was a pastor, <laughs> uh, the weirdest thing about me being here today, it is a weird day for me. It's wonderful, but it's weird. It's the first time I ever addressed this congregation, and I wasn't the pastor. And I understand that. You know, and I accept it, and I embrace it, and I'm so glad Pastor Adrian is your pastor. But it's a little weird for me. That's the weird piece. If you're wondering, Pastor Gary seemed a tad weird today. There it is. But... Back when I was pastor in this congregation, uh, we had left the Roosevelt Street property, which I circled yesterday, just to give God thanks. And uh, we had moved up to the Stone Spring School, and this building was being built. And uh, I had a, a man come to me, a father, and he was very broken. He was very hurt, very tender. And he basically said to me, these are my words, he basically said to me, I have a son, he's about 19, uh, he's been hurt by the church that we were a part of, and uh, basically what I heard him say, especially when I read this story, uh, my son is like paralyzed, I mean, there's other ways to be paralyzed, not just physical, and he said, I don't know if I'll ever be able to get my son to church again, to a Jesus gathering ever again, and that's heart-wrenching. My kids were just this tall then. But uh, it broke my heart. I, I imagine myself being this father and having a 19-year-old son who had pretty much grown up in the church, but now he was paralyzed 
by circumstances. A lot of people paralyzed today in our world, paralyzed by the culture, uh, paralyzed uh, by all the racism issues going on, paralyzed by politics. I, I can't believe it's got into the church, but it has. And it's very, very unfortunate. But there are a lot of people who are paralyzed today. They can't get to a Jesus gathering. And you know what? We're to be their friends. We got to figure out how to get to them. They can't get here on their own. Well, this was what this father was saying to me, that he had been his son had been paralyzed, basically. And I said, well, I don't know how I can help. I, I said, I, I, we came up with the idea. I don't know whose it was. Maybe we're just working together. I said, well, what if I come to your house? And uh, basically, we, we turn your house into like a house church for a, a little while. And, and maybe I can meet your son. I don't know if that would make a difference. Meeting the preacher is not always a positive, you know. But I wanted to be a friend of this father. And, and so we decided that we would go to their home and we'd order Pizza Hut. Hey, we're already kicking, man. We're ordering Pizza Hut. And so maybe your son will come to the pizza supper, you know, and, and maybe I'll get to meet him, and maybe God will begin to break some walls down. You know, I don't know. Let's just try it. And so I showed up that afternoon in Elkton, Virginia, and uh, I walked into the house of uh, uh, Tony and Carolyn Lawson. Are you here, Tony and Carolyn? Stand. There they are. They're in the room. I want you to see they're real people. Sit down. Because <laughs> I'm running out of time. So we didn't know if John would come. We just invited him, you know. We didn't know if he would come. And we were laying the pizza out and, and things were getting ready to happen and we were sharing, you know, in fellowship and all of a sudden this young boy walked in. And one look at him. And I knew he had to be John. And he had this paralyzed look on his face like he didn't really want to be there. But maybe he came to honor his parents. Maybe he came, you know, to meet the new pastor. Maybe he just came because he was hungry. I don't know why he came, but he came in the room and he sat by me. And uh, I was just so desperate for the Lord to do something in that moment. And we began to talk. And the conversation went pretty good. And then I asked John, what do you enjoy in life? He said, I'm a drummer. I play a drum kit. I said, oh, man, I played a drum kit since I was 12. And so we talked about drums. And then I made a big pastor decision. <laughs> I said, hey, John, we need another drummer at our church in Harrisonburg. Would you be interested in meeting Pastor Joseph, who leads our worship? And he wasn't real sure, but he didn't really know how to say no. And, and soon he came and he met Pastor Joe. And we put him right in the back. I mean, he wasn't saved. Uh, he was lost in many ways but we thought this was a good evangelism plan and so we put him on, on the drums and, and he played I remember he used to aggravate his mother to death because he wouldn't wear a shirt with a collar he just wore a white t-shirt and I said Carolyn shh 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 please don't say anything about that it's fine with me you know because she thought it might be you know a disrespect to me I just wanted him in the room and so he came at Stone Spring School and he played those drums occasionally and then one thing led to another <laughs> and John had his sins forgiven by Jesus, and he became a real part of her church. And I had another young girl who was having a lot of brokenness in her life. I'd been working that, that angle. Her name was Mandy, and wouldn't you know they met? John and Mandy met, and then Jesus called them both in the ministry. They went to Bible college, and this morning, John and Mandy, they're the worship leaders at East Rock. Yeah! Hey! <laughs> Never underestimate going to Elkton and having pizza uh, uh, if it's a Jesus gathering. And I got to thinking about that this week, Brother Tony. Uh, John had four friends. One was Tony, one was Carolyn, one was Carrie, one was Joseph. And we lifted him on that paralyzed stretcher. 
and we just brought him to a Jesus gathering. And this week when I was going to film, I was going to film for East Rock, and I didn't have a conclusion. And the Lord just laughed. At, he laughs at me sometimes. He laughed, and he asked me this question. He said, my sheep know my voice. He said, who's filming this thing today? And so I went in my phone, and up came the number, you know, that I was supposed to call. It says in my phone, Pastor John Lawson. And it's like Jesus said, how's that? How's that? And so today, I want you to know that he still can do in Elton of Virginia, Rockingham of Virginia, Harrisonburg of Virginia, the same things he did in Capernaum of Israel. He's the same. And so we're going to pray today. This song is going to be your invitation. If you would like to just reach him, just stand where you are. If, if you have a paralyzed loved one, if, if you're paralyzed, nobody's going to know why you're standing, but Jesus is going to know. That old boy didn't even know why he was coming to the meeting, but Jesus knew. You can trust him to diagnose what you need. But during this song today, the, the response will be for you to stand right where you are. There's no pressure. It's all presence. <laughs> His presence is here because he said, where two or three gather together, I am in the midst. And so today, if you would just like to present yourself to Jesus, he's the redeemer, he's the restorer. He does both. He knows what you need. He knows what your family needs. And so during this song, please stand and offer your prayer to the one who loves you most. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at for any questions about our church. When you're done listening, please subscribe to this channel for the latest updates and new episodes.